The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? A little overcast, it might be a little rain, but heck, this is the first weekend in February and we're talking about gardening. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing and this is the Gestalt Gardener. It's one of many local productions from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up in today's program, I'm going to give you a heads up on things you can be doing in your garden this weekend or not. Uh, we've got an interview coming up, a fellow who wrote a really interesting new book out of North Mississippi. And uh, we got our usual slice of cheesy music. But heads up, folks, it's a live call-in gardening program from a fellow who doesn't sell anything for a living. It doesn't matter to me what you do. Let's have a good time doing it. So, again, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, the Gestalt Garden here in Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hello, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing and my esteemed producer, Sir Java Chapman. And uh, we've got the phone greeter today. We, they call him phone screener. I'm going to call her phone greeter is none other than Sir Kevin Farrell. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. So if you want to give us a call, it's toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring And uh, I do have some emails we can share with you. I have an, interesting, an interview about an interesting book that just came out about uh, some, some plants that are really, really hardy up in North Mississippi. We appreciate the support MPB gets from all parts of the state. North Mississippi has a complete completely different gardening climate from the Gulf Coast or the Delta or Central Mississippi. We have a wide range. Over into Arkansas, you know, the Arkansas Delta, we get calls in there, Memphis, uh, the, the flatter areas of, 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 of Louisiana, and, of course, all down around the, the lower, lower L.A., eastern L.A., lower Alabama. So we appreciate all of you who call and support this program. We're going to be talking about gardening, though, and I would like to start out by Java. Guess what I brought into it? You know, I try to bring something in every week. I know. you got a vase this time. I do. It's a red vase, and I had a green vase. It's, you know, red a little bit better. But I've got three flowers, just three flowers, and I want to use it to celebrate something because, uh, let me see, I guess it's been about 11 years or so ago when my dad died. He okay. died first in, end of December, buried in first part of January, and I made this very same bouquet from his yard. Uh, I got a camellia, pink camellia. Mm-hmm. I've got the white, fragrant, paper white uh, narcissus or daffodils, and a little leaf and uh, closer red berries from Nandina. The Nandina, the daffodils, the camellias blooming right now. And, you know, we could do that here in the South. Something in bloom in the middle of the winter. Yeah, because we don't get that harsh cold, you know, a lot of places. So we, yeah. we still got some bloomage. Yeah, and and uh, and not only that, but my great grandmother used to arrange flowers just like this. She would take something roundy, something spiky, and something frilly, stick them in a vase, and make people think she knew what she was doing. Okay, so is yeah, all right. I like I like that plan. <laughs> yeah, well, you know the the florist. Let me see what they call it. When I, I studied uh, floral design under Ralph Null up at Mississippi State, he called it uh, line, mass, and filler. But you got to explain what those are. But I would say spiky, roundy, frilly. Everybody knows they can pick that out. Yeah, and you can, can do it with your fingers. Yeah, you can do it with your fingers. Spiky with your fingers up, fist roundy and wavy, frilly. But of course, it makes people think we're talking nasty to each other in sign language. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you, you folks, uh, your dad uh, mows his grass, right? Yeah, he gets in the yard. Do, you, do, do they grow flowers or potted plants or anything, or do you even pay attention, John? Well, no, I say this um, from time to time. You know, my mother she get the bug and they'll go to uh go to the you know the the garden uh store uh-huh. and uh like I know what I'm talking about the garden store yeah it works, and, uh, it works. <laughs> and uh get the flowers and and plant them and you know uh I learn perennials yeah and they keep coming back there's the ones you buy them once there you go yeah <laughs> and they and, had those in there to bloom and you know 
Well, that's what I'm about. Uh, since we uh, uh, partied last week here on this program, we're not call it a garden party. We don't care who you are, who your mom and them are, you oh, know, no. whether you dressed up or not. Um, I've been to, to West Coast. Went out to Los yeah, Angeles. How was, how was that? It was it was good. I was giving a talk to a, to a national group. We stayed aboard, aboard the Queen Mary, which is the biggest, uh, largest passenger ship since the Titanic. It's docked there all the time. And I uh, went down to visit some friends at the San Diego Botanical Garden and rode around the poor parts of town, the wealthy parts of town, went to a big uh, uh, botanic garden called the Huntington, and took a lot, went to a place called Watts. You know, a lot of people think of Watts as, you know, riots and stuff. It's where people live. And oh, they, yeah. And their, their houses are small, their gardens are small, but they take care of, you know, their, of their property. And they've got some most unusual, where people can do what they want to do, you come up with some, what I call, real stuff. And let me, that, that gives me a good, last week, you were all in here high and mighty because <laughs> you won uh, Spacious, and it, it was uh, well-deserved, Spacious uh, Jacksonian, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I do, I wanted to point I wanted to point out the quote in the go to what you just said. This is quoting now, everyone. It's not about gardening. It's about people getting along, and gardening is the one thing that we all share, Rushing says. Plants don't care who you voted for. That's right. That's right. You know, we we don't care what church you go to. We don't care. You know, plants don't care, you know, and it's something we share. You know, now I like a lot of different kind of foods, a lot of different kind of foods. I'm from the South. But, you know, we don't all share food or music or literature or, 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 or how we dress or but we all share plant. Plants don't care. Yeah, and it just and it also goes to you are able to take care of an actual living thing yeah. if you don't think about it like that. Yeah, and to share it with you too. I, I did get a, an email last week from a listener named uh, Hillary, and she said, you know, I was named the spaciest Jacksonian. She says spacey means unconventional. Oh yeah, that's a good thing. Out of the box, you uh, also said it's e- real easy to fit in here because there are a lot of quirky people here. Here talking about Jackson. Yeah, I wasn't talking about MPB. <laughs> no, we got some quirks in MPB too, and quirky people are accepted. Hold your head up, warts and all. There you go. Thank you. And that's true. That's that's my philosophy. You know. And if and by the way, outside the box, I can do that. But inside the box, I got degrees on top of degrees about the box. So if people want to do have a perfect manicured, monocropped, lawn, edged, and everything just right, I can do that. But if you want to have a little wildflower meadow and just mow what grows, we can do that too. There we go. Versatile. That's right. Hey, we got a call uh, just came pouring in. It is a live program. If you want to give us a call, let's go down to Poplarville and talk with Brent. Hey, Brent, good morning, sir. Hey, guys. How are you? Fine. What's up? Um, my wife and I are getting our garden ready, and uh, we went to the, the extension, took a soil sample, and they said we have real acidic soil. So my wife got a bag of pelletized lime, Yeah. and I want to know how long it'll take after we put that lime in the ground before we can plant. Oh, immediately. Lime, is, is, all it is ground-up limestone, and as it dissolves, uh, it, it, it makes the soil less acidic, more, you know, a little bit more alkaline. So it's not a fertilizer or a pesticide. It's just ground-up limestone. Okay, so it's not going to burn the plants. At all? No, heck no. But now, at the same time, they you know they told you you probably only needed either fifty or a hundred pounds to a thousand square feet. Yes, sir. Okay, that's five to ten pounds to a hundred square feet, which is only ten by ten. And that's only a really good dusting. So you don't don't need to overdo it. And by the way, lime lasts for three or four years or more. Okay, so you don't need I'll to do this. Every, uh, one, one, let me ask you this: Did they tell you you need an ammonium nitrate? Uh, I don't think so. Good. Don't. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> well, okay. Ammonium nitrate. It's a. It's an agriculture type of nitrogen. It's real strong. It's real fast. It's real temporary. But you put it in the garden. It's like cocaine to your garden plants. It's wow. And then it's gone. And uh, it's better to use something in the garden that's long, slow, takes its time, lasts a long time. And uh, so that's the reason I recommend for lawns, gardens, flowers, to get something that's for lawns, flowers, or gardens. Don't use the commercial-grade fertilizer. The type of nitrogen is too 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 strong, too temporary. Farmers know how to handle that because they come back and do other stuff later. But you want to give something a gentle and long-lasting and slow release. So that's what I recommend. Uh, by the way, Java, the uh, pink magnolias are blooming all over town. There's trees with no leaves on them right now. Big pink or purple flowers. Okay, so 
I don't know what a pink man. You know, you, is it just it's just a pink flower? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, actually, it's this flower right here. I lied a little while ago and it says a camellia, but I figured, you know, what the heck? Okay. <laughs> it could be a camellia. <laughs> it's a Japanese magnolia, and uh, you know, yesterday they had Pocktony Phil or whatever it was, the, yeah. the groundhog guy. <laughs> well, he saw a shadow, so he was supposed to have some more winter. Uh, reason I mention that because we don't have. Groundhog down here. We we have people may, up in North Mississippi may have them. We call them woodchucks here, uh, but we have something even more usually dependable, and that's the Japanese magnolia. Usually, when they bloom January, February, right after they come into bloom, we get a hard freeze and they turn brown. Okay, is that, that? But they're different from the regular white magnolias, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. the white white magnolias are evergreen. You know, they they got leaves on them right now. They bloom in the late spring and summer, and uh, they're actually our native. They're they're native to you. These are from from yeah. uh, from Asia. But um, we're supposed to get cold tonight. You know, maybe down into the lower thirties. So I'm thinking these Japanese magnolias are doing what that groundhog did. They're predicting a freeze. There you go. So, so we need to bundle up <laughs> yeah, or stay inside. Uh, let's go to Port Gibson. Hey, Linda, what a beautiful, beautiful community Port Gibson is. Yes. Um, How are you? We got those. Uh, uh, got those Japanese magnolia blooms all up and down Church Street. It, it, it is just gorgeous, and they're you know they bloom and you know the camellias are blooming and some daffodils, but these they they say spring is on its way. Okay, but I have a question. Okay. Okay, I would, I was gonna, I would like to buy uh, peonies mm-hmm. and roses, right? I mean, you know, the starter, right? Okay, I would like to know, and then I want to do some mustard greens. Okay, well, need, you know, what type of container would I need if I want to? See, I'm trying to. Set it up all on my front area. Right. Um, well, uh, Linda, the the uh, roses you can get good roses. They got there's one rose is a little pink one called the fairy. The fairy. Most garden centers carry the fairy, and it's a small bush. It grows really well in a pot, and you can grow that red knockout rose in a pot if you keep it pruned to keep it from getting too big. Um, so, you know, th- those are two good ones I'd start with. I wouldn't start with too many real fancy roses that need to be sprayed and all that. But the fairy and knockout are both really good for containers. Um, your mustard greens and uh, uh, turnips and lettuce and, thing- and collards and, and uh, broccoli and all like that, it'll grow in any kind of pot with just a decent uh, uh, potting soil. With, as long as it gets some sunshine, you don't keep it too wet. But uh, It has to be in a container. Right. I can't do anything to the property. Okay, let me let me suggest that you start with those uh, and then move on to the peonies later because the peonies really, uh, I'm I'm real familiar with them. They grow better way up north. Their their peony society is in Minnesota. They don't do that well down here in the deep deep south because they don't get enough cold in the wintertime to, to do right. And if they do, they just bloom for a little while and then you're stuck with a pot full of just leaves the rest of the year. So, you know, what I would do is I'd wait till, oh, late March or so and see if there's somebody in town that's got a, there's a white peony that grows well in the south. It's called Festo. Right. It's it got a little red right down the middle of it. It's, right. a, it's an old right. one. It's an old one. It's, it's been around as long as Port Gibson, 1860s. Uh, it'll bloom real, real well, but it's hard to find it commercially. So I bet you if you find somebody in town that's got one, I know they got it from somebody else. So they're almost obligated if you approach them right, to share a piece with you. Oh, yeah. We, we do. Uh, our kids watch when they, whenever they have the Christmas uh, Spring Garden shows. Well, that, that's what what I would do is I would I would uh, set your cap for one that's growing in somebody else's yard and just be real sweet, you know, like we all are, and they'll yeah. be glad to share you a little piece of it. But it would be better in the dirt rather than a pot. Did you see my photos and then I let you go? Okay. Yeah, did you see my photos I sent you about a month ago? Uh, I saw all my photos, but I don't remember. I get so many, I don't remember which one. What was it of? The uh, Christmas Green Garden Show. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It looked like you were having a great time. I was. Okay. Well, yeah. listen, we, we got to scoot, Linda, but uh, you know, if you have some more questions about that, shoot me another email, and if, you, you know, if you're looking for that type of peony that does well, I can remember the name of it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. you bet. Thank you so much for your call. All right. We've been top to bottom and side to side already. This is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's called the Gestalt Garden.
I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. Um, by the way, I got an email from Stephanie Moore. She says she lives in the Jackson area. Her oleander bushes got burned really, really bad in that freeze. Oleanders do fine on the coast and, you know, out west where it doesn't get hard freeze. But hard freeze, I burn them back. No problem. Cut them back. Cut them back to the ground. Be careful because the sap is poisonous. Wash your hands before you chew your fingernails. But just cut them back, and they'll put out all new growth, strong and vigorous, flowering better than ever before you know it. We're going to take a break. we got an interview with Ed Kroon about his new book called The Land of Rowan Oak. We're going to be back with more of Stalk Garden right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back again. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I want to take off my horticulture cap right now and talk with the botanist. Now, uh, uh, Java, I've got a lot. The, the 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 arrow's not blinking. Should I still push it? Um, yeah, I can put them on, and uh, you just just hold your horses. Okay, I got my <laughs> hands up. Don't hands up. Don't push. We're waiting to get Ed Kroom on the, I don't know how to push these buttons, and I'm always nervous about that. Ed, we got you on the line yet? You do. All righty, hot dog, thank you. Ed, uh, retired botanist from University of Mississippi, right? Correct. All righty, and uh, you retired into the land of what I call Rowan Oak. I wanted to talk with you about this great new book you that just came out with called The Land of Rowan Oak. How you like it? So, how's it doing so far? Uh, 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 real good. Real good. Uh, uh, a lot of people, it turns out, have been to Roanoke, and they tell me that after they see the book. Yeah, you know, and it, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, you've got a lot of notes uh, towards the back uh, about each of the the photographs, but you have uh, some real insightful uh, stuff about William Faulkner uh, and and uh, and his wife Estelle, who used to roam around this little what 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 he called the posty stamp of soil, um, and the the photographs are full page and unbelievably evocative. How long did you work on this thing? Uh, so I I had photographed it. For uh, ten years before I, I, I thought we had enough to really kind of show you the place. Well, and you've done a good job. You've been through all the seasons. Uh, I've, you know, I've been through this book, you know, frontwards and backwards. And uh, it looks to me like, and, and by the way, folks, we're talking about William Faulkner, uh, who who had a play, end up settling in a place, uh, uh, the old. Uh, uh, Shegog Place, built in 1848, right in down near downtown Oxford, and he called it Rowan Oak, and it's surrounded by these these plants that really have, nothing's been done to them, I guess, in half a century, and they're still kicking. Well, uh, you're the one who wrote about hardy plants, and that's what I described. <laughs> I think you'll find a lot of them in your hardy plant book. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as a matter of fact, uh, and I, I was real pleased at, at one point uh, you were trying to nail down specifics, like what what spirea is that, and uh, and I put you in touch with a, a fellow named Greg Grant, who is with the Southern Garden History Society, and he named it as as a Reeves spirea. And uh, just uh, there's two kinds of white bloom spirea, single flower, double flower. It's just two different forms of a really hardy early spring blooming shrub. And uh, I'd say they're growing without any water or fertilizer or anything. Uh, there, there is not water available all over the ground, <laughs> and they certainly haven't been fertilized. And and thanks for that recommendation. He was uh, great to put me on the right thing because a lot of people uh, see this same and think it's a different plant. Yeah, well, it's it's just an old kind, and I, I guess uh, uh, I guess uh, uh, William Faulkner has fallen in love with the real the romance of the place uh, because you know even though he he never was in the the British military, he was in the Canadian Air Force in World War One, and uh, he named the place Rowan Oak, and Rowan is not an oak. That's right. 
You know, you, you probably saw a lot of those up in Canada, and also spent some time in England. You probably saw a lot of these. You know, they're 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 wonderful orangish red berry trees. But um, this place is, you know, I've been there many many times over the years, uh, Ed, and the photographs you took really captured the what I'm gonna call the brooding nature of the place. I mean, it's tree trunks and exposed roots and ruins of that little brick circle garden, moss ravines and outhouses and arbors, uh, but it's it's a brooding place, and these, were you in a bad mood when you wrote this thing? <laughs> no, I, I actually <laughs> I took most of those pictures, as I say in the book, in the early morning in kind of a peace and quiet and solitude, and, and the rest of my life was not necessarily that way when I started the book. <laughs> And uh, so I found it a very tranquil place. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm just here. You said that you wrote the book as a meditation. I, I, I did. And I found that, you know, you know this. Uh, and I found now that other people that have been to Roanoke will come up. And it's like whether you walked in the woods around it or whether you walked on the ground, this garden or walking through the woods is actually very uh, a way to kind of restore peace to your life, right? We all know that, and and that's what this place that turns did for him, and I think for many others that visited more recently. Yeah, a matter matter of fact, uh, it, it is really soothing. But uh, you said that that a lot of people have come up to you and talked about that, and that was a complete surprise. That people talked about the evocative uh, uh, nature of the book. It's not just uh, beautiful photography and uh, and and the you know the 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 science behind you know what's in the pictures and all, but you captured the solid the quietness. And it must have been a kind of a creepy place for Estelle because she was there by herself a lot when William was hanging around the the, the square. Well, you know, that's funny you mention that, because <clears throat> what needs to be uh, better uh, respected is Estelle. You know, Estelle had peonies. As a matter of fact, I heard you just talking about peonies, and she had peonies there that were cut and uh, in the past, but they're not there now. So some of the stills, because she had Lady Banksy roses there, and she had other varieties of roses. And those uh really, I think, need to be, the grounds need to kind of be restored some to bring the still back to life for us. Well, I, t- I tell you what, and I can help you with this, Ed, because I know what happened to the peony, and I can even tell you, it was probably a variety named Festival Maxima, because it was real commonly grown. And when uh, when they when they left the place, I guarantee you the Garden Club ladies came up and stole them. And we could find them in the Garden Club ladies' yards and get some back. You are a great investigator. <laughs> well, no, 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 because I've done the same thing. Uh, but you know, you said you took the uh, the photos of meditation. Um, you also said a lot of people who who get this book uh, tell you that a photograph of a specific plant or a scene uh, brings back some kind of memory for, of a plant or a scene from their childhood—a real nice, pleasant memories. Well, that's that's really true, and that's the thing about uh, giving uh, some of these talks about the book is people either then or sometimes just later will uh, come up to me and say, you know, I had this kind of uh, magnolia tree in, in my yard as a child or something, and, you know, we played and climbed on those limbs, and I can still, and this brings that back to me. Well, here, here's you know? the one that brings it back to me on, uh, on, I think, one of the pages, I think page 77, I don't remember, but you had a picture of a uh, white daffodil with pure white petals, a little short, pale yellow cup with a real distinct, bright, reddish edge, and that's the famous pheasant side. This is the poet's narcissus, one of the oldest cultivated around. Uh, matter of fact, it was the flower that Persephone and her companions were gathering up when Hades took them down into the underworld. My great-grandmother grew that, and as soon as I saw that, saw that I was because it's a real fragrant. It, I could smell it just looking at the picture in your book. I, I think I, your experience is just like that. Now, I'll tell you a funny thing that goes with that. Uh, one guy, I don't think I'd mentioned to you, uh, he and his wife came and got the book, and he said... Um, you know, we put this book out on a coffee table and people come to see us. And it's real nice. People can look at it and you just have something pleasant to talk about. But he said, what I didn't anticipate is sometimes later at night, I'll go in the bedroom and she is in that book so deep, giving herself a nice way to go to sleep. And I'll say, come back, darling, come back to me. <laughs> well, if maybe if you smell like a daffodil, Ed. 
Listen, <laughs> listen. I, 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 we we could talk for hours about this, but we've got a break coming up. But I just I wanted to you know, and I don't do that many interviews, but I just wanted to celebrate this book that that you did, Ed. You put a lot of years into it, a lot of effort, a lot of thought, and the the research behind it, uh, you know, and the the and the appendices are great. But it's called the Land of Rowan Oak: An Exploration of Faulkner's Natural World. And by the way, it's published here in Mississippi by University Press. And I, that's right. I, that's I, I guess right. people can either get it online or most bookstores. You know, you have to go to Square well, Books to find it. In Lemuria, you have it at Square Books. You have it at your other independent stores in Mississippi as well as online. And uh, but what I'll say is, you can see I put all the notes at the back and the things you said. Uh, this is a place I love, and I wanted to show you the way I love it. That's why the photographs are put. Well, it's, uh, you, you've done an excellent job. It's a unique uh, publication, Ed, and uh, and I congratulate. Look forward to you showing it off to every garden club in the state. But ask them about Estelle's Peony when you're there. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> we got a scoot, Ed. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. H- hug everybody all around. Thanks so much, Elder, for your call. You bet. Folks, that was Ed Kroom. Uh, he's uh, lives in Oxford. He wrote this wonderful book about the, the the plants that have survived for over half a century. No care at all around Rowan Oak, William Faulkner's wonderful place. And if you got a piece of Estelle's white blooming peony, we want a piece of it back. Plant out there at Rowan Oak. We're gonna take a break, folks. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Garden. We got some cheesy music. Got some phone calls. Got one from Woodville. One from Jackson. And uh, got some emails. So stick with us, folks. We're gonna take a little break and come back with more of the garden right after. Let's let's have a little cheery music here to cheer things up on a nice wintry day. Grab your coat and snatch your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep Just direct your feet To the sunny side of the street I can't you hear that bitter pat And that happy tune is your step Life can be so sweet On the sunny side of the street I used to walk in the shade With the blues on parade No longer afraid The rover crossed over If I never had a cent I'll be rich as Rockefeller The gold dust at my feet On the sunny side of the street With those blues on parade But I'm not afraid Cause the rover, he got over If I never had a cent I'd be rich as Rockefeller All those chicks round my feet On the sunny Stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You've got mail. Got mail. Hey, 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 Mr. Bowman. 
I got some mail. I got some mail. I got emails and I got real mail. Horticulture's fellow rushing folks. And uh, before I get to the emails, let me mention, I just got a box in the mail and it came from a listener in Arkansas who, who, who signed it. Peace and Patience, uh, Linda Bolton, is a box of daffodil bulbs. I was up at their place in the Ozarks this past year, and there's a the latest blooming daffodil in, in the south is called Twin Sisters. It's, uh, each flower stem has got two flowers. They're white with a yellow cup, and they, they bloom in, in late April and even May. And I was admiring them, and she just sent me a box of bulbs. Now, my mama said not to thank you for them or they won't grow, but I do appreciate that. Also, some emails. I got a uh, one from uh, uh, Joy Joan, uh, I don't know how to say, Mil- Milroy. Anyway, Joan says she got some of these fancy amaryllis at Christmas. Uh, one's pink and the other's variegated red. She lives in Starkville, by the way. She says when they finish blooming, can she put them outside when they survive the winter cold? Um, well, she noticed that some of the neighbors had this solid red, this old uh, uh, red amaryllis, and it is really, really hardy. Uh, not sure about the florist ones. They're real pretty amaryllis. They're big. They're bold. They've been bred to have bigger, uh, uh, fancier flowers. If you put them on the south side of the house where they get a little protection of the cold in a well-drained soil so they don't stay wet in the wintertime and then cover them with mulch, they may come back. A lot of the florist-type plants are not as hardy as the uh, older species, but let's give them a try. And also one last email before we get to the phone calls. Uh, this is from a guy named John. He said, I was listening to a radio show yesterday. Figured you might be interested in this. I was walking the trails at Butts Park about a month ago. That's uh, between uh, Jackson and Clinton. Came across a tree I'd never seen before, covered with small orange fruits. Took some of the fruits, managed to get some seedlings. He sent me a picture. Got these little seedling trees coming up. He said, apparently they're very cold tolerant. I wonder if an American soldier didn't have a green thumb back when Butts Park was a German POW camp because I don't believe it's native to the area. It's real remote. This happens to be a seedling of a tree called trifoliate orange, John. Some people call it a wild lemon or wild orange or hearty orange. They're about the size of a golf ball. They're fuzzy, real, real sour, a lot of seeds. Uh, and what happened is they're used as a rootstock for grafted citrus plants. And people go to the Gulf Coast, used to fill it with gas, and now all these gas stations had little pots of grapefruits and oranges and stuff, and people buy it, take it home, put it in their yard up north. The first thing, the first wintertime, the top part would die, but the rootstock, this trifolded orange, would sprout. My grandmother had one in her backyard when I was five years old. I remember because of the thorns, real fragrant flowers, white flowers, the fruit are edible, a lot of seeds, but it spreads by seed pretty readily. So anyway, you've got a great one. Uh, from this picture, it looks like you need to put it outside every day. It gets a little sunshine. Don't keep it inside. And as soon as you can, put them in individual pots. It look like at one, two, three, four, five. You got seven or eight little plants here. Put them in different pots so you got somebody you can share them with later. So anyway, appreciate your emails. Garden at mpbonline.org. Anytime you want to give us a call uh, here at MPB. One eight seven seven MPB ring and let's go straight to Jackson and talk with Virginia. Virginia, thank you for holding so long. How are you? Well, thank you, Felder. Uh, I've got uh, two questions. One is uh, with regard to bougainvillea. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I've had a bougain, two bougainvilleas in eighteen inch pots for several years. Had them out on the patio. I take them in the greenhouse. Uh, well, last summer, long story short, I, I was out of pocket for several weeks. During the drought, and um, they died back, mm-hmm. and I th- and then they came out again. But what they what has come back out is a green uh, leaf, no flowers, and I'm wondering if that's a rootstock or um, it. I don't know if no. bougainvilleas have rootstock. No, no, bougainvilleas are grown from cuttings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're grown from cuttings. Have you had, have you ever repotted these? No. Okay, here's the deal. Potting soil is mostly organic matter. It decomposes. It breaks down. Mm -hmm. And over a period of years, you end up with not much potting soil left, just roots and air. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would, uh, you know, cut back all the dead stuff, uh, water it real good, and three or four days later, uh, pull out of the pot, gently loosen up the roots, and repot it in some fresh potting soil, and let's see if that doesn't perk it back up. Because the the roots are growing in almost thin air. Mm. Okay. 
Okay, that, yeah. that 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 helps. I I was afraid it was a rootstock and never going to be a bougainvillea again. Oh no, no, it's it's it's, it's grafted with that. And by the way, I just got from Southern California. That is a weed that's all over the interstates, but it mm-hmm. is drop dead gorgeous. But yes, anyway, re, repot it and try not to water yeah. it too. But water it a few days before you repot it. To... Amen, amen. It's like granite. Uh-huh. The second question is very brief. Uh, I've I've got some orchids that I've grown in the house. They're Mother's Day gifts, etc. And they they're uh, need to, some of them need to have, be cut off and repotted. Uh, one of them is blooming now. Do I need? Can I do it now, or do I need to wait until a certain time? Um, you know, it depends on the type of orchid. I don't want to get complicated because they confuse me a little bit. But a lot of a lot of orchids bloom on that old stem, mm-hmm. so I'd you know I'd have to know what kind of orchid, and even then I'd probably look it up myself. So, you know, if you could, if you got a picture of it, or or if you could shoot me an email, I've got a real quick handy reference on things like that because I, I can't think remember. It's, uh, phylonopsis. Yeah, yeah, solenopsis. Solenopsis. Yeah, and uh, that, that and that's a good one. But I just don't remember about pruning them because okay. it's such an unusual plant. Okay. It, Thanks, it, it, it's not complicated. I just can't remember. <laughs> All right. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thanks, Thanks Virginia. And good luck on your bougainvillea. Right. Bye-bye. Now let's go to Woodville. Woodville is about as far as you can go and still be in Mississippi if you're headed towards Louisiana. Right, Lee? That is right. That is right. Man, downtown right now, I guarantee you right now, downtown, I, th- I don't know if it's a library or what, but there's a couple I of those. The, they got the got, got the great big pink camellias in front of it? That's right. Wow, they are drop-dead gorgeous. That's right. Oh, what can I help you with? First, first fellow, what I'd like to say is um, I, about three weeks ago, we had a, a, a great freeze come through here. Yeah. I had a big pot. Outside, I had a cacti, a what you call the mother-in-law's tongue, yep, and a mixture of aloe vera. I had it all in the same pot, <laughs> and it was beautiful. And it smells bad. It's all mushy and smells yeah. terrible right now. Uh, that's right. I I took it up on the carport and I covered it. I said, "This will hold the cold weather." Man, I went back out here <laughs> that morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm laughing with you, not at you, because the same thing happened to me. And when they melt, when they they look fine for a day or two, then all of a sudden they start f- flopping over and laying down, and they get mushy and they start dripping, and it is a nasty stink too. It stinks. But what <laughs> I did do, I cut it back. And uh-huh. now I got two little prongs coming up on the mother-in-law. So yeah, they'll do that. They're coming up from the ground. They they have rhizomes, almost like an iris. The cacti is holding on. Is it that kind with the round, flat leaves and the thorns on it? Correct. Okay. See, that's hardy. That'll grow outside, but you know, it'll grow outside. Uh, you know, even up in North Mississippi. So it, it's not affected by the cold. The aloe vera. And the the mother-in-law tongue, some people call it snake plant or sansevera. I've got uh, several different kinds of that, but they won't take any cold at all. Sounds like the top part froze, but it didn't freeze the potting soil, and you got some coming back from the roots. That's right. I wouldn't hold out much hope for the aloe, though. We'll have to see. Luckily, every little old lady in Woodville has got that plant, and they'll give you a start of theirs. Thank you. You know what I'm saying. That's where you got. Where where do you get these to begin with, Lee? From my grandmother's. Uh Uh-huh. Garden. Yep. Well, somebody else got them from your grandmother's garden too, and they are obligated to share you share some with you. The neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> grandmother's birthday is today. She's ninety four. Okay. Well, you know, now's the time to go out hat in hand and you know look all down in the mouth and all say, "My grandmother's plants." You know, she. I sure would like a piece of you. You know, what I'm saying. Yes, sir. <laughs> ne- <laughs> next time, bring them inside, Lee. All right. Also, I, I will do that. Also, I would like to say this, and you can give me an explanation in a moment. I got two things. One is I saw in the paralegic that you're going to be at Hutold sometime in February. And and also. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. That's next weekend, as a matter of fact. Next weekend. It's in no, 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 no. Let me see. No, it's the 11th. I don't know if it's next weekend or the weekend after that. Next weekend, I'm about, it's Saturday morning. I do a, a, a free uh, seminar on on choosing and growing different kind of fruit plants for the yard. You don't have to have an orchard to have something in the yard. That's right. All right. Um, 
What else I want to speak on? I'm not going to give any names. I could, but I'm not going to give any names. Yep, good. He had a, when I worked for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and I also volunteered for them because I was at the for a number of years back, we had a district conservationist for Wilkinson County. Great guy. Mm-hmm. He's originally from Gina, Louisiana. Yeah. He moved and he lived over in Amit County on the East Fork near where the Jerry Clower Museum is. Right. I want to this man lived naturally. He never looked. A lawnmower would come down there and probably break his own blade. <laughs> he had what we call a naturalistic garden. A naturalistic yard. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, all the neighbors were cute and cut and neat, and he just grew just as wild as ever. What I wanted to say was, this man never seemed to lose plants. His plants always grow, they thrive. Yeah. His yard had blooms on it and bees and hummingbirds and everything. Why is that? I'm going to hang up and let you talk. Okay, I appreciate that. And Lee, uh, let me know, you know, if you need some of that aloe, I might get you a piece of it. I bet you can get some on your grandmother's birthday right around the corner. Thank you for your call, man. Now, what he's talking about, this naturalist, this naturalist, probably conservation, he was probably in the Native Plant Society, and he grew mostly native plants, which he found here and there. You know, you see a... uh, uh, let's say let's take cemeteries for example. You go to an old cemetery and they're gonna have a Nandina bush here and a camellia over there. Go to another cemetery and they'll have a crepe myrtle and maybe a camellia. Another cemetery will have a daffodil or whatever. And what this guy does is he goes around and he finds a really cool looking native plant scattered all over and he pulls them together all into one spot. Sort of like going to like having all the hardy, unkillable cemetery plants. We're talking about plants that dead people can grow and pulling them all into one spot and let them go. You don't you got something that looks good all the time without any water sprays and stuff like that. And I'm going to, my last comment, I'm going to compare this and uh, Java, maybe I shouldn't do this. But you know, this way I roll. This is your show. You can That's do right. what you want. That's right. We're talking, <laughs> speaking of rolls, toilet paper. Some people roll it towards the wall, some people roll it away from the wall. And nobody is going to change anybody's mind about it, and it really doesn't matter. So what I'm going to say, whatever, whichever way you want your garden to roll, hold your head up and go on. Warts and all. <laughs> Warts and all. <laughs> okay, let's go to Meridian. Hey, Becky, thank you for holding. What's up, lady? Uh, we have some friends that live in Hernando that just had their first child, a baby girl. Mm-hmm. And we would like to get them as a gift a um, some kind of pretty flowering tree that would remind them of, the, of their baby girl. Oh boy! To plant this year, the the year their child was born. Yeah, and, and preferably something that blooms this time of the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. There there there's, there's several choices. Uh, you know, earlier I was talking about the Japanese magnolia that's blooming with the pink flowers. Right. It will grow in Canada. It will grow in. San Diego, or, 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 I mean, it grows anywhere. It'll grow perfectly fine. It'll bloom every year for that baby's birthday. Now, that's a good one, but there's a smaller tree uh, that's blooming right now. It's also a type of magnolia that's called star magnolia. It's blooming all over Jackson right now. Star magnolia is a more of a big bush than a small tree. It drops its leaves. Right now, it's kind of a roundish, loose thing, completely covered with white, uh, real strappy-shaped magnolia flowers. The star magnolia is a nice small plant, and it's special. Uh, The the more common and equally tough Japanese magnolia right now are in full bloom. Also, camellias bloom right now, and, and they're... And they're not any fragrance to to the camellia, but it's a real dependable one, and the little girl can take cuttings with her wherever she lives. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's really sweet. Well, also uh, a handful of paper white, put a handful of paper white daffodils under it too, because they smell good. And every time, it's a little girl, right? Yeah. yeah. Every time for the rest of that little girl's life, she smells daffodils. She can think about her parents in her Nando, Mississippi. So put some paper white daffodils in with it. Well. That's a great idea. So is is this a good time of year to plant any of those things you just named? Yeah, well, it's a little late for the. You can get paper white. A lot, you know, I know in Jackson, for example, yeah. you, you you go to most garden centers. Uh, uh, I was at 
I get ready for this fruit presentation at Hutto's next week. They've got some. And they're, you know, like I say, they're real, real easy. And they're one of the few daffodils you can plant them today and they'll still bloom. Okay. And the trees you name, they're good to plant this time of year. Yes. It's going to be really important for them to dig a wide hole and then to loosen the potting soil up. You know, a lot of people pull plants out of the pot, stick them in the ground. It's really important to loosen the potting soil and the roots and put it in the ground. Water it real good. Throw some moisture out. Stick the daffodils around the outer edge of the holes and they're ready to go from now on. No care at all. Okay. Great. Great. It's a wonderful thing to do. And don't forget the fragrance because, uh, like I say, yeah. there's nothing like that. Or it, 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 and she can also divide the paper whites and take it with her anywhere in the world. That's, that's a wonderful idea. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for being that kind of person, Becky. <laughs> All righty. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a little bit of a break. You know, it's not about gardening. It's about interacting with nature, with butterflies, with food with neighbors, with your grandmother's memory, little girl's memory. Uh, it's about sharing. And we're going to be talking about that every week right here on the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We've got some calls from Jackson to, to Calhoun County to Ocean Springs all over the place. We'll be right back with those after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis, Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Hattiesburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. And uh, by the way, John, I don't want to be all misogynistic or anything like that, but that advertise that that promotion that you just did that uh, about all the people call it was all women. No, it was you all it was all women in that ad. We get guys who called too. You weren't listening. They might have wanted it to be all women, but it was some men. There was some male male voices in there. Okay, okay. Just want to let, let let people know that we do not discriminate on country of origin. No, when no, it comes no, to no. Gestalt Gardening. <laughs> Let's go to. Uh, oh, I pushed a button. Is this Ronald? From Jackson? Yay! You know, they give me a bank of buttons to push, and I'm always scared I'm pushing the wrong one. <laughs> what you got going on today? Hey, listen, I'm, I'm trying to get my, my lawn together for for the kind of take care of the bare spots and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And I was raking, raking all the dead leaves off there, trying to clean it off, and I ran across these that's ant hills. Yeah. These are big ant hills, like full of ants, and they feel like they're kind of hollow and kind of hard. Yeah. And I thought about taking the shovel and busting them up, but I was afraid I'd just run ants everywhere. How would I get rid of it? Yeah, you 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 can take a uh, you take a weed eater to it, and it will spread them everywhere. Those are fire ants, Ronald. And what happened? They're they're not from here. They're from a warmer part of the country in South America. And in the wintertime, when it gets when it gets uh, wet, they have to build their mounds up so they don't you know stay too wet. But they also raise those mounds up in the spring to catch sunlight to help warm them up. So you can knock it down, but they can build it right back up overnight. So here's the deal. They're fire ants, by the way. They will eat you up. I mean, trust me on this one. What happens in the springtime when we start getting warm weather and it starts raining, those mounds, they they build them up real high, real fast, typically in the the late winter of the spring, and then they spread new mounds. So some will leave each mound and start new ones. So you'll have a whole bunch of them pop up over the next month or month and a half or so. Here's what I would do. If you can ignore them, that's a good thing to do. It works about as well as anything. Just don't mess with them because they will they sting bad. If you want to control them, you can put a bait out. They have this stuff called fire ant bait. And you put it out when the weather's a little bit warmer. You know, not, not right now, towards the end of the month. 
and they, it, it scatters. It's, it's a, a, an ant poison that's on a type of grit, a uh, type of like a cornmeal or something. They take it back to the mound, they feed it to the queen, and it dies. It, but, but the problem is it doesn't work if you keep knocking the mouths down. It takes a while to work. So if you can just work around them and put the bait out, that'll work. Second best thing would be to get a liquid, something you mix with water, and only take like a teaspoon or whatever to a gallon of water, but use a whole gallon of water on each mound. Just, you know how you pour syrup on a pancake, you know, it doesn't matter whether you start in the middle or go to the edge or the edge go to the middle, but you pour it all the way around it. If you'll pour that water all the way around and down into the mound, let the water do all the work with just a little bit of insecticide mixed in with it, you do that late in the day when the ants are all in the mound. By morning, they're gone. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Because my kid, he just said, "Oh, Dad, get the shovel and just bust it up." I said, "Man, those things are going to run everywhere. It's like a billion of them." I didn't want to do that. So. Yeah, yeah. And you need to. He's a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. You need to. You know, he's. You know. You know how guys are. They got to experiment with stuff. If he gets stung one time by one ant, he'll learn his lesson. But I'm don't but, but don't cover them up with them. And okay. don't let mama know what we're up to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck. Right. Good luck, Ronald. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate bro. your call. Let's come down to the ghost to the Gulf Coast to Roger in Ocean Springs. What's up, man? Hi, Felder. Hello. Uh, last summer <clears throat> I have several citrus plants and they developed black mold and aphids. Yeah. I've trimmed them back. I've I've pruned them all, and I went to the nursery and bought some pyrethrins, uh, which I intend to spray all of them with. Is that the right thing to do? Well, y- yes, but you know, keep in mind that black mold is not a disease. It's a mold that's growing on the sticky drippings from the insects. So you know, you don't need to treat for the mold. Treat for the insects, because what happens, they suck sap out of those citrus trees or crepe myrtles or gardenias or whatever, and it's got dissolved plant sugar in it, and it drips down, you know, it's that sticky stuff. And then this mold grows on that, so you can actually wash that off or rub it off. But if you start seeing it or you start seeing sticky stuff on the plants, spray for insects. Pyrethrin is a natural spray, but it works as well as any chemical I've ever seen, and it's safe. Uh, but uh, keep in mind, if the... If the trees are in bloom, you you don't need to do this till it gets to be summertime and the insects start showing up. So you don't have to worry about spraying when there's bees out there. So anyway, hope that works. Didn't get a chance to get around to the guy Dudley from Calhoun County, but uh, we're going to talk to him next week or shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, between uh, Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell, And our bosses up here in MPB, we've been talking about gardening. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm going to be at a garden center next Saturday called Hutto, Saturday morning, starting at 9, talking about fruit plants. It's a free seminar. We have a lot of fun. But if you don't get a chance to make it there, take a kid to a garden center, get a sack of paper white bulbs, show them how to plant stuff that will bring memories for the rest of their life. But most important, that it's good, it's safe, it's great to get dirty. See you all next week. Thank you.